Our first reading today is from Isaiah 55. How do you picture joy? What does it look like? What does it sound like? The writer of Isaiah hears it as mountains and hills singing and trees clapping. Wow. Join with me. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Our second reading is also a picture of joy. The long-expected Jesus has been born. And a man named Simeon gets to hold the baby. He had been waiting a long time, unsure of what joy would look like when it came. But when he saw it, he knew it. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Here ends the reading. On Friday night, Chris and I were in a restaurant eating dinner, and suddenly there was a hubbub at the table behind us. A young man had gone down on one knee and proposed to the woman that he was sitting with at the table. Now, I missed kind of what had happened until they were kissing at the end of it, so I'm presuming she said yes, though. And the other people around us, I was like, did he go down on one knee? Yeah, he did. And I couldn't, I couldn't help it. The whole rest of the meal, I kept glancing over at that table, you know, and, and just watching their faces. And there was a lot of joy going on at that table. And I said to Chris, you know, do you think I should go over and give him my card? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it might be an opportune moment. <laughs> You know, I, I did kind of want to ask, though, this is one of the things, my favorite thing to do when I meet with couples that are going to get married. I love to hear the story of how they met, and I like to hear about the proposal. I say, you know, was there a proposal, and, and how did it happen? And I'll say, What's, you know, was it a surprise, or did you expect it? And, and it doesn't seem to matter if they expect it or if it's a surprise. It still is a wonderful, joyful thing. It's one of my favorite things to ask stories about. I always think, though, there is kind of a, a delicate balance between expectation and surprise in the way we receive joy. 
at Christmas time or, or really at, at any time. And you have, to kind of, you have to kind of watch that. There's things that we do expect to be joyful, and we find joy in them. We expect to be joyful and happy as we hear our favorite Christmas carols or, or we see the lights. Or didn't you, as you walked into the sanctuary today, and now we've got all the decorations and the poinsettias, didn't you feel a leap of joy in your heart? I know I did this morning as I came in. And I expected that. I knew very well the poinsettias were going to be here today, and I still felt that leap of joy in my heart. But sometimes we also have a little problem with expectations and and joy at, at this time of year, too. Kind of like you heard in Jenny's story. Expectations can be disappointed, maybe. You know, we expect something out of Christmas and we're not getting it. Or we get so busy and frantic and crazy doing the things that we think are expected of us. That we lose our way to joy. We're so busy cooking and decorating and buying gifts that we end up tired and cranky and frustrated. And we miss the joy sometimes. We'll get, you know, you get through a day or through the end of the season and go, Whoa, where did the joy go? I know there was supposed to be joy in Advent and at Christmas. What happened to it? The trick is that you can't make joy happen. You can't create it. You can't manufacture it. Joy is something that we simply receive. It is something that we simply receive and that comes from God. We can put ourselves into places and times and with people that where we know we're more likely to receive joy, but in the end it's a gift from God, a gift from God. You heard part of the Isaiah chapter 55 today that Chuck just read for you and you read on the screens. Now, if you go back and read that whole chapter, I think that whole chapter is about joy. It's kind of like Philippians 4 is also all about joy. There's a couple really joyful chapters in the Bible. And Isaiah 55 is one. It starts out by saying, I'm the one who's got the feast for you. Don't go looking somewhere else for the feast. So God reminds us that we go looking for joy in a lot of places. But the true joy, real joy, comes from God. And it's God who gives us that feast and that, that water that really satisfies our thirst. And it goes on to say, God is at work in the world. You may forget sometimes, or you may not be looking for it. But if you look, you will see that God is out there in the world doing things and working in the world. God's word never goes out into the world without something happening. Something happens. And that's all around us. And if you pay attention and see that, then you'll receive the joy. And, of course, it ends with that beautiful piece that, that Chuck read about the mountains singing and, 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 and the trees clapping their hands. Whoever could have imagined that image of trees clapping their hands? Now, that is joy. And all it says is, you know, look, and you will see that happening. If you're looking for it, you will receive that, and you'll see God at work in the world. We also have, um, as your little opening verse in the bulletin, That one line from Galatians, that joy shows up in here. That the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. All those things are good things, aren't they? The thing about those, that them being fruits of the Spirit, is that it's not something you earn. It's not something that you make happen. What happens is as you live in the Spirit and live in God and get closer to God, you simply receive these things. You make yourself open to receive things like joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of those things. They, we receive them. 
And of course, our other story this morning was about Simeon, who's been devout all his life. He's been paying attention to God. He's listened and waited for this Messiah to come. And he's sure he's going to see this Messiah. But, you know, he's got really no idea of what this Messiah is going to look like. He doesn't, how does he know? He doesn't know it's going to be a baby. Maybe he's been imagining all along it's going to be, you know, a grown-up person is going to show up. And that's going to be the Messiah. But instead it comes kind of in an unexpected way. But he's ready. Ready to receive the joy because he's been so faithful and so devout. And when, so when he does see this baby, he's just so happy and excited. Not very many of the people get to hold the baby, Jesus. You know, we hear about the shepherds. They come and adore, and the wise men come and give gifts. But Simeon, Simeon gets to hold that baby in his arms. He gets to hold the baby Jesus, and it's such a joyful story and he's like okay I'm done now I've you know that's the most wonderful thing that's happened to me in my life and he actually says I'm ready to go now God because I got to see the Messiah and I know this is going to be a light for all the generations to come he sees the joy for other people he sees you and he sees me he sees that we're going to have joy someday too this week as I was kind of mulling over this whole joy theme I was sitting at the Cuyahoga County Board of Health uh, waiting to get my immunizations to go on the Costa Rica trip. And there was a, a Family Circle magazine, not too old, just from August. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. And it had actually a cover article. There was a little thing on the cover about, there was an article about happiness. And, you know, and, and, and how you find happiness. And I thought, well, that fits. And I, so I looked in it. And it's, it, it was really a fun article. It started by saying it's part genetics, and it's, but it's part your attitude. And it had a list of things that you can do to find happiness or joy or, or make your life more open to those things. And it included, very, the very first thing was count your blessings. Count your blessings. Look for the good things. And then the second one was a lot like it. It said, look at any situation and find, you know, the good in it. it, it its example was, sure, your nine-year-old had to go and get stitches at the hospital, but weren't those nurses and doctors great? <laughs> And I was like, I was thinking today, you know, okay, sure, it's really cold and there's some kind of semi-frozen stuff falling out of the sky. But look, we don't have to squint because of the sun today as we sit in worship. <laughs> but it also, it's, that is not stretching it. Listen, he's, he's, he's being Mr. Grump over here. It also said to do things like pursue a goal, get lost in hobbies, work on relationships. And I also like that it said things like, remember past happy times, pull out your photo albums, or tell children new stories. Like in the meanings behind the message today, it encourages kids to find out of the story of the day they were born. Tell stories about those fun things. It also told you, on the list was, tend to your physical well-being, but but even before that, it said, tend to your spiritual well-being. It said, if you don't have a church home or a faith family somewhere, go find one. And that's one of the things where you will find joy. We're going to do just a real little exercise here today because in the practice of finding joy right now, right here, it's kind of as a way of kind of counting our blessings. I want you just to take a minute. You're just going to take a minute or so. Turn to the people around you and share with them a favorite Christmas carol, a favorite Christmas cookie, or maybe a favorite Christmas TV special or movie. And go ahead and do that right now.
Chris's family does those and puts a Hershey's kiss in them. Yes. I know, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, so hidden kisses. It. There's a Hershey's kiss in it. Yeah, yeah. That's really neat. <laughs> okay, come on back. <laughs> I'm not going to get him back again. All right, come on back, come on back. <laughs> See, just do that some. I wish we, had, we, wish we had more time today, but that's the kind of thing. Just share those things, and all of a sudden, you, you guys got all happy doing that. I did this at the Sunday school last year, and we had more fun just sharing those things, and it makes you happy. So tell the, you know, telling stories, sharing joys with other people, you just covered about three or four things on that list. Just crossed them off today for making yourself happy and, and opening yourself to receive the joy. Now, for me, the greatest, one of the greatest joys of, of Christmas and other times are stories. The stories we find in the Bible, wonderful Christmas stories that there are out there, the stories that are in the, in the Christmas movies. I love stories. And I think stories are really powerful and touch our hearts. So I wanted to share with you a favorite Christmas story of mine. That's from a Philip Gully book. I love Philip Gully. He wrote the Harmony books, and he also has a, a variety of um, stories. And this particular book is stories are all organized around the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And this is from the joy section, and it's just called Nativity. My mother-in-law, Ruby, lives in southern Indiana in the town of Paoli. This doesn't make you think of Ruby, right? <laughs> We spend family Christmas with her. Those good people in Paoli remember what Christmas is all about. Each year, just before Thanksgiving, Herb from the street department hauls the baby Jesus, his mommy and daddy, and an assortment of livestock and shepherds and wise men out of storage and sets them up on the courthouse lawn. The Holy Family takes up residence on the southwest corner of the square, and no one dares to complain. There are no civil libertarians in Paoli at Christmas time. But Christmas isn't official until Wilson Roberts decorates his variety store, which he does the day after Thanksgiving. Each year, the same adornments, a cardboard cutout of Rudolph, taped to the front window, a strand of tinsel hung over the checkout counter, and a bucket of candy canes left over from the year before, sitting next to the cash register. On that day, at precisely 8.50 a.m., people from all over town head to the variety store to start their gift buying. It is a migration every bit as predictable as the Capistrano swallows. I stopped in a few years ago looking for a nativity set. The week before, my wife had said, what this house needs is a nativity set. So on the day after Thanksgiving, while everyone else was lying around in a turkey-filled stupor, I drove into town to the variety store. It's a small store in sore need of a liquidation sale. Wilson's motto is, we have it if we can find it. <laughs> Forty years of merchandise is stacked to the ceiling. It makes for some incongruent discoveries. I once found a poster of Michael Jackson next to a 1959 edition of the Old Farmer's Almanac. <laughs> I went inside and sought out Wilson Roberts. He was sitting in the back of the store smoking a cigar, his ashes dribbling on the wood floor. I'd like to buy a nativity set, I told him. He said, well, I know we have one if I can just find it. He began to look. He looked over by the hairnets and bobby pins, not there. He looked by the garden hoses, not there. Then over by the yard goods and notions, no holy family there either. He looked over near the lawn chairs, then underneath the, ca the candy display, which is where he found it. 
He dusted off the box, opened it, and took a roll call. One manger, one kneeling mother, one proud father, some shepherds, three wise men, one sheep, one cow, one donkey, and one baby Jesus. Everyone present and accounted for. That'll be $12, he told me. How about 10, I countered. The box was torn and the cow was missing one ear. <laughs> Wilson Roberts squinted at me, shifted his cigar from one side of his mouth to the other, then said, you got a deal. So now we have a nativity set. French made. Genuine plaster from Paris, the box says. <laughs> the day I bought the nativity set was the last time I saw Wilson Roberts alive. He died the next year. We drive past his old store on our way to Thanksgiving dinner at Ruby's. The variety store is closed now. When he died, it died. Then Walmart moved in and people talk as if it's a blessing. I guarantee you Walmart won't have a 1959 edition to the old farmer's almanac. Don't even bother to ask. I think back on Wilson Roberts searching amid bobby pins and yard goods for the baby Jesus. Sometimes our search for the divine has us poking around in all kinds of corners. Every year at Christmas, I haul our nativity set out of storage and place it on the piano next to our front door. That way, when we're scurrying about in a frenzy, honoring the birth of the one who told us not to be anxious about anything, we can pause and remember what Christmas is all about. How that quiet baby came into this tumultuous world greeted by wide-eyed shepherds and one-eared cows. I swing open my heart and welcome him home.